0: Welcome to Managing Marketing, and today I'm welcoming Alona Evans to Trinity P3. Um, Alona is joining us as a senior digital consultant here at Trinity P3. Welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you.
0: Um, Digital is such an interesting area because it's probably the single biggest disruption that's happened to marketing in the last 100 years, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It certainly has just disrupted the way that we can talk to consumers and interact with consumers.
0: For you personally, when did it really become a an issue or an idea or a passion that you wanted to be involved in or did you just fall into it?
1: Um, I think I, I, from a career perspective, f- fell into it, um, it was, became part, you know, part of what, um, one of my first roles with Toyota um, and then I just became increasingly interested in it because it is just changing all the time. I feel like it wasn't about, it's not about knowing something and knowing it inside out, it's just always being open to, you know, that something that we're working on now is changing and a year later won't be the new thing that you're working on anymore.
0: What you said about changing, you know, it is constantly changing. There's always some new innovation or new opportunity or new idea. But there's also a danger with that, isn't there? You know, the new shiny thing is uh, probably one of the biggest things about the technology space, isn't
1: it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think in, in all media, there's the new shiny thing, but in digital more than any other and um, sometimes it is new and it is. and but a lot of t- a lot of times it's only a, you know, a slight change on 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 something and it's just being re- repackaged up. So it might be you know, additional layer of targeting within programmatic and it's can be sold in as being this um, completely new way you can reach people. But then you know, if you strip that back, it's still actually, essentially buying into the you know the same group of sites so it's just from a different platform and it's maybe got slightly different targeting overlaid with it so it's just yeah always a matter of sort of digging in deeply I guess to just explore is it new
0: yeah. do you think it's also um the the sort of natural complexity of technology you know we've got you've got your own uh Uh, uh, language that goes with technology and so you know to be able to convince people that this is a new innovation or you know it's uh, revolutionary uh, is a little bit easier because you can use a language that a lot of people really struggle with
1: yeah I think I absolutely and I think there's um like you know one, one thing sort of touching on you know why digital appealed for me is that, that that sense of it always changing I think you just have to accept that you know if you haven't heard of something or it is new just ask about it and go and explore explore that and I think a lot of people maybe just don't you know allow themselves to do that and then just by lack of knowledge allow themselves to be a bit bamboozled and you know get carried away with the shiny new thing Well just sort of asked often, it's the most basic questions, which you don't need to know that much about digital to can get to the heart of what what the technology actually is and whether it can deliver on what your business objectives are.
0: I think that's a, a really important point is, you know, just to have that constant curiosity mm. to ask the questions that everyone in the room seems to, you know, avoid, which is, so what's this actually do? Mm. You know, it could be a really good starting point or how's this going to make things better for me?
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. I think some of the best, you know, a couple of you know, meetings I've been in with clients, we've had someone, you know, the CEO or someone very senior come in who's not normally in the sort of week-to-week wits and just lays it on the table sometimes, you know, that I don't know that much about digital, but hang on, why is this not delivering on this? And suddenly just those real back-to-basics questions um, steers the conversation where it needs to go. Yeah,
0: because I think we've seen a few examples of where people have sort of lost sight of, you know, the whole purpose of technology in that, um, you know, and, and you know, probably one of the highest profile and one that you've worked in is that the whole concept of digital media, you know, the owned, earned and paid. Well, the paid seems to be growing and growing at the expense of earned and, and owned, wouldn't you say?
1: yeah i mean certainly um i think owned assets have only um you know in recent years sort of getting the attention that they deserve like previously often they weren't sort of part of the planning conversations and now um you know brands sort of you know almost as the conversations about data have increased and just realizing you know what brands own themselves Mm. um, whether it's data or whether on their own um, websites or apps, storefronts or all sorts yeah, of places e-commerce. So, and, and applying the same marketing rigour to those mm. than, than what is applied to the paid media.
0: Maybe um, thinking about it it's because you know often the other components uh, will fall outside of marketing. Mm. You know e-commerce often is run by either the IT department or operations and not the marketing department. Do you think that's possibly why there seems to be a marketing focus on paid digital media rather than, you know, all digital channels?
1: Yeah, I think it could definitely fall in different different departments. And um, and I think as you know, the different types of paid media have grown. Like for example, you know, the work that's done with influencers and you know smaller organisations. It's sort of maybe made people aware of the, the value that's put on all those assets of your social platforms and your own website and your own database and then that same rigour is increasingly you know applied to a client's own assets and treated the same way from a mm-hmm. planning perspective
0: because yeah. one of the um one of the things that uh, i remember from the early days amazon was a brand that really seemed to you know they weren't overly creative but they really got e-commerce right by using the data that they collected about me um, to make offerings and suggestions that were really quite compelling. You know do, do you remember the first time you started using Amazon or any is there an e-commerce platform that really stood out for you?
1: Yeah, I think Amazon certainly in terms of all the um, you know suggested content and related content and different things that would. Would come up, and I mean, so yeah, they've been doing that for a long time. When you compare that, it's a good point to the conversations that are happening with a lot of other brands.
0: Well, you know, because people, people talk about Facebook and how much they know about you, but mm. I think Amazon, if you've been an Amazon customer for you know five years, they'd know a lot more about you because you know Facebook really only has information about what you liked and the things that you followed and, and things like that, but. Amazon actually has information about the things you've spent, Mm. you know, paid Mm. for with hard earned cash. I mean, ultimately that's getting closer and closer to the, what's it called, the moment of truth? (laughs) The Google moment of truth, when you buy something.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because yeah, it's not just the search queries, it's going through to the actual transaction. Yeah,
0: because the reason I raised that is, um, you know, I'm hearing more and more and reading, especially in uh, the trade press, marketers are really starting to question whether digital is delivering everything it promised to be. And the promise was to be able to get closer to customers, to be able to have conversations with them and, and be able to personalise those interactions. And yet, you know, a lot of the problems we see in the digital space is because it's been largely sold or used as a mass audience reach rather than a intimate audience reach would is that how you feel
1: well i think i mean that's the beauty of digital and the challenge that it can serve so many different roles so um certainly you know it had can have a role as a as a a mass media but that's in some ways i guess the easiest to implement and not using digital to its full capability so i think um yeah, there's, there's a lot of back-end work sort of needed and changes in processes and ways of doing things to really get digital to work to its full extent. So, you know, it's been a long time now that, you know, you're able to have dynamic ad creative that's pulling in, you know, variables of what people have been searching and looking for. And certainly there's some advertisers doing it really well, but there's a lot of advertisers who... Um, yeah, just for lack of, lack of the process of the data coming from a different team internally and how multiple agencies need to work together and the media partners to get something off the ground. Mm. Um, I think that, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of those promises that, um, I guess they're not untrue promises, it's just that they haven't been delivered because it's sort of gone into the, the too hard basket, um, hasn't fit the campaign timing
0: that's, that, that's interesting. So what you're saying is that there's the sort of a continuum of at one end, you've got a handful or, or maybe more of companies that have been able to leverage all of the promises of the digital channels, digital space. Um, and then there's a lot, a lot more companies that have really struggled, either because they don't have customer data or they don't have infrastructure or they don't have a process that allows them to do it
1: yeah i think it's just often you know marketers and agencies everything's you know everyone is very time poor and some of you know a lot of digital does take more time to to set it up properly and the reporting and optimization so often um some of just those those fundamentals that allow you to do that one to one targeting, which ideally should be part of like an always on campaign. Um, you know, it just doesn't always fit exactly into you know for clients working to big launch campaigns or bursts of activity. Um, you know, it just wasn't totally essential to get off the ground for them, so it gets sort of pushed down the road. So I think there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunities for things that are, um, you know, using technologies that have been around for a while and, um, you know, can now be optimised and increased through, you know, there's more data and more targeting ability.
0: Because we get asked all the time, you know, who, who's doing it well? And you find yourself um, often falling back on the disruptors, you know. Like, it's interesting because, you know, you use Uber, disrupted the taxi business. Mm. But they didn't have a legacy taxi business that they had to transform. They just came in with an app mm. and created a whole new way. But was it the technology or it was the fact that the technology was delivering on a customer need that, that you know, clearly got traction?
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess it was a need that people didn't realise. They, they, sort of, they It's hard to know which came first. It's a need that can sometimes... Um, you know, not until you've experienced it, you realise how convenient that is. And it's
0: the old question of if uh, Henry Ford said if he asked people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, and they didn't know they wanted a car. Did we know we wanted Uber? Did we know we wanted Airbnb? What else is there? What are well, the I other think things?
1: even, you know, things like the mobile now, which, you know, obviously has been around for quite a while, but smartphones.
0: The smartphone, you know, yeah. It
1: became, you know, everyone was talking about the year of the mobile, and it's going to change things, and... But, you know, it ha- it has. Like, now that really is the one device that people are using for so much of their day-to-day lives.
0: It's interesting that we're still, what is it, ten, fifteen? it would be almost 20 years um, since the term digital marketing was st- first bandied around, and yet we're still talking about digital marketing as if it's somehow separate from marketing.
1: Yeah, we, ser- we certainly are, which I think is digital marketing's becoming... You can't do marketing without doing digital marketing. I mean, i struggle to find a company that if they're not using digital, well, there certainly would be opportunities that they should be. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they, it is just integral to what marketing is and you can't sort of develop a marketing plan without having understanding of, you know, the way that a big part of the way you're going to interact with people is through digital channels.
0: And so when you first started working in digital, you would have been in the digital team weren't
1: you? Um, I was sort of sitting in the media and, well, online team, it was called then. The online online team. Yes, that's right.
0: Online marketing. Then it became digital. Before that, it was called interactive media because you could interact through it. It's interesting the different iterations that that we've had. Yeah. yeah, and, And yet there's still companies now that have a separate digital team, don't they? They have a team that just works on digital. I wonder what everyone else is doing.
1: Well, it's a hard, I mean, it is, it is a hard one because you still do have like the nature of digital media and, and not just digital media, digital marketing more broadly is, you know, it does require so, from an implementation point of view and tactical point of view a, a certain skill set. So I think there's a lot of companies out there have tried, you know, trying multiple models and it does evolve and change depending on. What the marketing team requirements are at that point, but just to find that right mix because you still, I think it's a you know matter of upskilling the whole marketing team and the whole media teams and account teams at the agency point of view to be knowledgeable about digital, um, but then recognizing where there still is a role for some specialised roles.
0: And also the yeah you know, the marketing team, especially getting marketers to think about you know it is marketing mm. just happens to be through digital channels because mm. that's what technology has provided is you know broader ways more ways of being able to engage
1: yeah yeah absolutely and engage in ways that is you know just always on it doesn't stop and a lot, a lot of it is um you know two-way communication
0: because uh, you mentioned media before you know digital media is the sort of the big growing area of uh, of clients investment you know we're just every year no matter what happens in digital media there seems to be more and more money put into uh, digital
1: hmm yeah there certainly is I mean I think it's with it's certainly not a perfect world but it is that much more accountable and trackable and the fact you can optimize it it just gives clients you know I guess a degree of confidence as well in being able to see those results and optimise along the way. Um, so you've, you know, you've got the budget being pushed from that way, pushed from you know if it's proving itself and actually delivering return on investment. Well then, you know that that also is an, certainly an easy case for budget, more budget to be going into digital media.
0: And yet, uh, there's been so many questions, especially in the last two or three years, around. How the efficacy of um, display media or social media, um, paid social media, because you know, we've had all those issues around the murkiness of um, you know, viewability and how to actually uh, validate that there's real people seeing the advertising at the other end. Why do you think it's so popular when there's been so, such a cloud around you know, whether you're actually getting value for money?
1: Um, well, as you say, I think that's certainly come up more and more in the last last couple of years, and um, you know is important and key conversations to have. Um, I think digital. You know, obviously, it's in terms of me- measuring it, like where where a client has key objectives, and the media can be tracked and optimised right through to the outcome. So certainly for e-commerce. Um, clients or anyone mm. you know selling and transaction for online it, in terms of whether digital's working or not working it's a uh, much you
0: can tell straight you can away. Tell. Yeah. Yeah. Am I getting the clicks and is that turning into sales on my e-commerce yeah. site? Yeah. So cause and effect tick.
1: Yeah, yeah. So from a return on investment point of view they, you know, from that point of view I guess there hasn't maybe been as many questions questions um, asked and you know then you've had with digital media it being that much cheaper from a sort of cost per thousand point of view um, than some other media that I guess has allowed some of, even if some of it's not as effective, has still overall delivered comparable results yeah if your cost per
0: thousand is one-tenth of traditional you know what you've traditionally bought then 50% of it actually being seen by a bot or not seen at all doesn't really matter because you're still ahead on the cost
1: yeah yeah (laughs) and some of those conversations actually do come up because if you you know if you're negotiating to buy viewable impressions versus um, ones that aren't tracked. Yeah, it's you, a lot more expensive. It's a lot more expensive and sometimes we're actually sort of net out in the same place. But I think the key thing is that those conversations are happening with, with the clients because um, so that they're educated and aware of, of what's going on and that obviously, you know, I think it's just an issue when the, I think in some cases people have just not been aware of it, the clients haven't been aware of it, even some of the media people and buyers, you know, haven't been as aware and tracking of it. Uh,
0: I just, sorry, I just suddenly remembered, you know, for a while there, all the disruptors were put up, you know, Alibaba and Amazon were the disruptor of retail and Airbnb was the disruptor of hotels and, and Uber was the disruptor of the taxi business. There's two companies that never made that list. And they're absolutely the technology disruptors of the media industry, and that is Google and Facebook, right? Mm, Because they absolutely fundamentally changed the media space. Because up to that point, you were only a media if you were either buying or creating content that you then sold in advertising the space, you know, the attention of the audience that was either reading your newspaper articles or watching your TV programs or, or listening to your radio. Now we've got these two big disruptors that are just collating, aggregating, either c- consumer content or publisher content and and selling the advertising through that.
1: Yeah, and they are, you know, disruptors in... I mean, they've changed the way that... um media is bought and negotiated and you know how value is measured because suddenly you know you've gone from where other digital media was bought and negotiated mm-hmm. um you know these ones that you know an auction-based system where there isn't that role of you know negotiation or added value so then that has helped you know makes costings and pricings more transparent and also then opened up a whole another world of where it's something that you know clients can more easily um take in-house if it makes sense for them to managed, you know, buying of the platforms there. So it has disrupted in certainly in a lot of ways, plus the whole data side of that. Well, you know, we do get a certain amount of data, suddenly, you know, the amount of dollars that's going into those platforms and that a lot of a lot of their world is still the sort of walled garden, as people say. Yeah. Yeah,
0: But it's interesting that we haven't actually ever highlighted them as disruptors, have we? I mean, you, you've seen that uh, PowerPoint presentation. I think IBM put it together the first time. They talked about industry disruption. But I never, I've never seen a version of it that says Facebook and Google have been major disruptors of a particular industry. Mm. And yet they, are, they have fundamentally changed it. I mean, there is no other media that could come out and admit that you know, almost 50% of their audience is fake and that they've cleaned that up and not suffered a major hit. And they haven't suffered a major hit. If anything, they're still getting an increased share of, of uh, the media money.
1: Yeah, it was just that sheer size of them that's allowed, even if they were smaller, that certainly I think would be a very different story. And the other
0: thing they disrupted was the idea of actually offering global media. Because, up to that point, almost everything was country based, you know, mm. the TV stations were only in the particular market, uh, newspapers were in particular markets, radio stations. Mm. It must be terrifying for politicians, because one of the reasons that media was always owned and very much controlled in a particular market was so the politicians could have some sort of control over it. But now they've got no control over this global media platform:
1: Yeah. Yeah, which is certainly, I mean, certainly the stories Yeah, from a non-media and marketing perspective, I mean, it certainly is allowing for people's stories to get out there in, you know, ways that's never happened before.
0: And and yet in some ways it completely plays to the whole idea of the internet, which is to allow, uh, to democratise media, to allow people to be able to have their say without being a major media player. Mm. So I can see the great conundrum because on one level it's you know they've played perfectly to the needs of the internet, but on the other they've completely disrupted what was the traditional media and advertising model
1: mm, absolutely yeah and mm. put you know in a allowed you know, I guess created a more even playing field as well for advertisers in terms of no matter how little little or big you are, you know, you can work with those two platforms. That's um, true, isn't it? Not not disadvantaged in terms of what rates you're able to negotiate or what placements you're able to get.
0: Yeah, you could be the corner shop Mm. and have the same access to the same medium, which is virtually unavailable to you in most other media.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So what about this idea of measuring value, you know, in the work that you've done with clients, what's the approach that marketers should be taking when they're looking at the value of, you know, whether it's, well, everything is digital, but what should they be looking at for value?
1: Uh, well, I think it has and, and very much, you know, with platforms like Facebook and Google, changed in terms of, uh, you know, from a media value perspective because, you know, previously, um, it, you know, you would look at, you would get your agency to measure the value they've been able to negotiate off rate cards, um, you know, any added value they've been able to negotiate and, um, you know, that's a lot mm-hmm. of where the value equation would come in. Now when you have these more even playing fields where it's a you know, transparent auction-based system, you know, there's yeah. not an opportunity to negotiate a lower rate there. So I think that you know, the benefit is that the value then is very much tied back to performance. So you have to either, it might be that the value delivered is year-on-year know, year performance. So if you know, a new agency's come on board and taken on the search activity and able to demonstrate much better results, well, there's value there. Um, or then you know the value in terms of measuring that you know, right through to the client's performance metrics in terms of you know, the ROI of that media being, being the value. So it's almost a different definition of, of, of value because now um, there's less and less digital media where we, you can say, oh, we negotiated X percent off the rate card and we were able to get this many extra homepage takeovers and this extra, I mean, that still exists in terms of direct media buys, but it's becoming a smaller component of.
0: Yeah. And it's really media. not value, is it? It's price. You know, we're buying units at a price rather than value, which is your point was, you know, is about measuring performance because ultimately your media investment should be about driving some sort yeah. of performance metric.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So in a way, I think it's just sort of brought the whole conversation back to, you know, that is, is it driving value? Is it driving business sales? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which is, uh, can be a challenge for some organisations because, you know, your point before was if you've got e-commerce, you absolutely know if your online digital marketing advertising is driving traffic. But if you're a traditional, you know, consumer goods Mm. company selling through the retailer, it'd be impossible to be able to close that loop.
1: Yeah, I think that's... And I think when you talked about over-promise in digital, I think that's something that, you know, overall digital sort of sold in as being is totally trackable and accountable and measurable. And yes, it is. But there's a lot... Depending on what your actual business objective, no, you know, that, that sort of train mm. of measurement does break and you can't... You know, and if you do measure, it's sometimes still, you know... A, um, Depending on budget, you know, a model of the relationship between them, or mm. um, you know, might do brand studies to see if there's a lift in consumer, you know, consumer intent to purchase. But it's um, not, you know, not able to be measurable to this always to the same extent that you can actually optimise the media to that metric or yeah. buy the media to that metric.
0: Because remember, um, you know, Google naturally pushed last click attribution as uh, you know the the only true measure because mm. of course yeah it happened or it didn't happen and then uh people started coming up with and recommending attribution modeling that would take into consideration all the other things that were going on and now do you, you know i feel that and from what i've heard there's a sort of push back to yeah attribution is a bit of smoke and mirrors what do you think of have you worked with attribution modeling
1: yeah, I've worked with, um, you know, trying. I mean, I think it's always interesting to sometimes, you know, look at, look at um, different models on the same data and, and, and understand what the planning and the thinking and the types of channels that you're running there in terms, of, in terms of what makes sense. Um, but, you know, again, mo- most of them are still only measuring digital channels. So, when you, you know, when you bring in the offline channels as well and then trying to have offlines, sales There's, there are different models out mm. there but they it's, it's not an exact science you know no. and I think that's what you know digital it's all still sold as this is the 100% accountable medium so
0: yeah I can't remember who the, who the quotes from but it said uh, all models are useful most models are flawed
1: yeah yeah
0: and I think that's really that attribution models can be useful. But you've got to accept the fact that there's going to be flaws within them. And if you accept the flaws, then you just you know, use them knowing yeah. what those flaws are.
1: Yeah, yeah. And then just make sure that you're getting out of it some, you know, oh, what you're getting out of it, insights and learnings that you can actually apply and change. Mm. But what you, you can see why
0: marketers get a bit confused because, you know, there'll be a group of people over here going, go for last click attribution. And then this group, no, do uh, attribution modeling. And, you know, and where's the answer? How do I measure performance? How, you know? And then the agency will have a vested interest usually because they'll be trying to push whatever it is that's the, uh, you know, either the easiest to do or appears to give the best result.
1: Mm. Well, I think it's just, you know, key that in the results or the agencies are ideally working together and that those results are just clear on what model's being used because there's a lot of confusion. You might have one agency, uh, yeah, as you say, you know, reporting it's more in their interest to look at, um, you know, post-impression results that have driven conversions versus, you know, someone else looking at the last click. So it's just having a conversation around it and working out what's what makes most sense for that client and that industry and I think then if you agree on a model that's you know used for ongoing reporting but at you know certain key points of planning um, it's always worth you know delving in and re-looking at it and having a play around with it and seeing if it's telling a different story but but then you know from your week in week out just being cons- you know consistent mm. with what you're using.
0: Um, the. My- what you said then made me re- uh, remember last year. The A.N.A. in America said it was the year of transparency. So, most people seem to be poking the finger that the transparency is about the agencies. But what's your concept of transparency? What What are we trying to achieve by being more transparent?
1: We're trying to achieve. Um, well, just. Trust between agencies and clients, um, having you know, not 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 having you know any biases in terms of where media is booked or planned based on if there's non-transparent profit margins within one yeah. more, than a, more than another. So, you know, in an ideal world, sort of just working towards if it's an open-level playing field, what media and what marketing is going to deliver the. The best outcome for, for um, a particular clients' objectives,
0: because um, there's also another school of thought which is transparency works with the clients as well. You know that the clients need to be transparent in the data that they provide to agencies, and that media owners need to be transparent in the um, the actual behind the scenes you know, results and data that they produce. It's interesting that we're using this term transparency when really what we're trying to uh, achieve is for people to feel more informed.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: You know, that uh, you don't. no one wants to feel like they've had the wall pulled over their eyes. And yet a lot of digital, whether it's the language of it or just the sheer complexity or the constant changing, you know, Paradigms or, or ways of operating seems to make people feel completely wrong-footed.
1: Yeah, because I think some of it's like some of the issues have sometimes come from, you know, like when programmatic started to try and make it simpler. <laughs> um, you know, the costing models and things. Even though it was, for example, wasn't a commission-based media. You know, it was it was sometimes easier from both the marketer's point of view and the client's point of view to. Mm-hmm. To build that in, so that it was a there was a 10% commission sitting there, and it was actually the same fee structure as other digital media. While you know, as as that sort of type programmatic, for example, has matured and people have realised that it is it does take more time and the time to plan and optimise and make that work properly. You know, often you know, the agency needs a bigger margin than. Potentially, what you know, what they do for other types of media. So, I, so I think it's uh, you know just that you just you're, it comes so some of it came from trying to make things easier because um, mm. digital this is so complicated already. Oh.
0: <laughs> yeah, to to, um, to plan, you know, if you were planning a uh, digital campaign manually now, it'd be next to impossible. I mean, mm. there's so many um, uh, inventory options. And to even be able to compete on the you know a real-time trading without using technology like programmatic would mm. be next to impossible. But uh, as you say, you've still got to have the strategy, you've still got to have the thinking, you've still got to have the paradigm or the algorithm set up to actually optimise that in real time, don't you? Mm.
1: Yeah, in terms of what you're trying to achieve up front because there's a million different options out there certainly in how you would target so if you're not clear on what it is you're trying to achieve.
0: And the other uh, area beyond that is uh, brand safety. I mean I think what was it almost a year ago there was a headline on the front of the Times newspaper in London about how some major brands had been seen to be supporting terrorism and pornography and, and all sorts of you know illegal activities and yet uh, it it amazes me that it's called brand safety because personally shouldn't it be brand care? Shouldn't we care about our brands more? What do you think about brand safety?
1: I think there's a lot of people like marketers and agencies alike who have you know maybe people have just uh, there, there is you know into all buys there's an element there's a certain level of brand safety applied but I think everyone needs to step up and take responsibility and not just assume that it's that it's happening and for a particular brand, work out, you know, what those additional sensitivities are as well because I think, um, you know, some of those examples, you know, you gave like just by being in even just some of the broader news categories which is considered safe content for most people, mm. you know, you can still very much get placed next to very inappropriate content. So it's if anything, having that conversation of what's, where you're happy to sit as a brand you know really helps dig into what's what that brand is and what's appropriate for it and what sort of content would be appropriate to sit next to it because I think some people you know make the mistake that if you're doing an audience buy that well you know you're you, know, you want to reach that audience no matter what they're doing, but you know, depending on what content people are consuming, they're in different mindsets. And mm. so if that person who is still your ideal customer is consuming inappropriate content, you don't really... Uh, people can argue it both ways. You, yeah. know, you might argue, well, do, that's my do customer. I chase, do I chase
0: <laughs> the customer into the territory that they're interested in?
1: Yeah. But also
0: part of that is following the customer no matter what. If you then put the overlay of cheaper media you're opening mm. yourself up to having more mistakes because it's often those le- dubious content providers that are going to be available to you at a lower cost because yeah. they're just after revenue. You know They know they're not mass market because they're not generally acceptable. So you'll often find that they, you know, on the bidding process, they will probably be um, more cost effective. So if you're running on a lower cost, you're probably opening up the... Uh, the chance of getting into inappropriate content.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and certainly if you're comparing the costs between, you know, if it is programmatic and doing that through different partners or different providers, obviously there's, you know, there's margin differences that might be a cost difference, but it's getting to the bottom of it because, as you say, a lot of a lot of it can be you're needing to chase that cheaper inventory, and some of it's okay, but it is certainly where there's more questions, questions there, so...
0: And I think the other thing that um, marketers were woken up to or advertisers were woken up to is how complex... You know, you said before, you know, programmatic was introduced as a way to try and simplify the process. But how complex the actual digital media supply chain Mm. actually is. You know, I remember uh, a lot of marketers just completely blown away. and, And you must have seen those charts which goes, oh, your dollar only about 30 cents goes to the publisher because there's all these people taking their cut along the way.
1: Mm.
0: You know, that's always been a, a, a surprise for marketers. Yet it, it worries me that people have been spending money in a supply chain where they've never really understood how it works.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think because, you know, digital has this, like, just to, uh, not comparing it to other channels, from cost per thousand perspective, for example, being that much cheaper, it then just sort of hasn't sometimes been questioned as you know, as much yeah. because Oh
0: look at the cheap price I'm paying. Yeah, yeah. But what's it actually costing you?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which um, you know, I mean some marketers might look oh, well, if it's delivering me, you know, really strong return on investment well, it's working. But I think there's you know, there's a role t- it's important to be transparent there and then well it could work even harder. But, I mean, that being said, that it depends. There are a lot of people in that supply chain, but, you know, there's quite a lot of those that do serve purposes. So mm. if you've got, you know, additional layers of um, essentially technology there, as long as they're not duplicating themselves, but if they're in there because they are providing additional targeting layer or an additional tracking layer or an additional
0: or a validation, validation
1: or viewability mm. level, like they're all...
0: They've got a role to play. They've got a
1: role. and I mean, often those things, you know, you can can be discussed because they do take away from the actual media dollars spent. But if you know, by tracking viewability, you're getting better results, or by having better targeting, you're getting better res, mm. results. And I mean, they're all things that can, a lot of them that can be tested as well. If you take away some of those levels of targeting and technology. Um, and test whether it delivers a stronger yeah, result. is
0: it giving me a return on that investment or not?
1: Yeah, but it just depends. You know, I think it's, um, you know, just an education process of understanding who's involved, and you know, and ideally being transparent that it is a tech fee that's being added. It's not a tech fee plus a margin. You know, like what? what yeah.
0: So, um, you know, because I just noticed the time, but uh, so what do you see as the, you know, what what will you be bringing to working with uh, the clients that come to Trinity P3? What do you think is the sort of challenges that, uh, that you'd be looking forward to working on?
1: Yeah, I'm just looking forward to helping give clients, you know, the confidence to use digital to its best advantage. I think there is so much the shiny new thing and just you know so much comes down to sticking to your guns basically of understanding what your business objectives are and having digital work to achieve those and then working with all your partners to just come up with that right mix of getting not always chasing the new things so getting your basics and your foundations right but alongside that testing and learning and evolving and you know the ratio between those things varies hugely, you know, depending on the industry and where that business is at.
0: Yeah, there is um, no best practice, is there? There's sort of some fundamental um, uh, approaches, but really the great opportunity is coming up with the right solution for the client's particular needs.
1: Yeah, yeah, and having you know, and then and giving them the the confidence that it is the right solution, and they have the right mix of things, and that they can have in the tools and processes in place to. To manage that because it is very complex and I guess things fall down from you know digital just you know isn't being harnessed to the full extent from what I can see because things fall down between not under you know how to get data out of a company so that they can apply it to the media or um, you know just getting all those different partners working together so I think I mean, I'm excited about sort of unlocking some of the things that have been around for a while, but just you know, often there's just but under crystal. perhaps
0: underutilized,
1: yeah, yeah, and then plus, or bring
0: misutilized,
1: in. yeah, yeah, and plus, bringing in obviously what's new and changing as well.
0: that's uh, uh, we're looking forward to it, and um, great to have you on board.
1: Thank you.